Hey friends, if you struggle to find time to read the Bible, or maybe like me, you do devotions in the morning, but then you could use a little more scripture in your day, I want to make sure you know about the Dwell Bible app. What makes Dwell so special is that they read the Bible to you, and you can choose from all different books of the Bible, different plans. They even have Dwell Daily, which is a daily devotional. And what really sets Dwell apart is that they have a variety of voices. You can have read the Bible to you. Over time, I've listened to Rosie the most. She is soft and relaxed and makes you feel like you're sitting by a fireside being read to. I also love Amber's voice. It's comforting and eloquent. So good. And then you can also choose what you want in the background, whether it's music or white noise. I love hearing the piano being played while I listen to the Bible being read to me. Pretty special. Dwell has something for everyone, men, women, and even children. So go over to dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash Monica Swanson for your 25% discount. I know you're going to love it. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Aloha and welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast with my mom, Monica Swanson. On the Boy Mom Podcast, it is our goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in uncertain times. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com slash podcast. We're so glad you're here. When we opened our windows and threw open our doors and said, this is how the world lives, as ugly and as harsh as it may seem to do that to your kids, right? To say, this is how the world lives. It gave us perspective. And I think perspective is an incredible tool in parenting that it's so hard to give our kids perspective because we tend to raise them in a bubble. Well, hey, friends, that was just a snippet from today's podcast episode where I am interviewing Kristen Welch. Kristen is someone I have wanted to have on the podcast for a long time. I've been a longtime fan of hers, and I think you are going to really enjoy what we talk about. Kristen is the founder of Mercy House Global. If you haven't heard of her, you're going to love everything that she's about. In the words of Ann Voskamp, Kristen's story will build your faith in a God who doesn't move mountains to make things easy, but moves our hearts to make everything about him. So I think that today's episode is going to inspire and perhaps challenge a lot of you. I know I felt really convicted as we talked, but in a good sort of way. And here's the thing. I know during this quarantine period, everyone's talking about the pandemic, about coronavirus and about things going on at home right now. And that's good. But I've tried to kind of keep going with regular topics here on the podcast with the hope that it gives you something else to think about. I've heard from a lot of you who have appreciated that. And I hope that these episodes maybe stir some good conversation in the home, maybe give you some food for thought while you're stuck at home during this time. However, If you want to talk about the quarantine and all the stuff, parenting and family related to it, next week's episode is for you. I'm going to do an all Q&A episode next week. I've been collecting emails and messages for quite a while, some related to the quarantine, things like screen time, uh, video games, trying not to lose your mind while you're home, as well as other topics that are just general parenting, raising boys and other things like that. So I've gathered those, but if you want to contribute, if you have a question that you would like me to cover, maybe something for my boys or my husband, please feel free to email me at aloha at monicaswanson.com. I will do my best to answer as many questions as I can. I think it's going to be a fun episode and I'm also going to have a little announcement in next week's episode. And here's a hint I want you to know. If you have not yet subscribed to my blog, to my online stuff, I want to invite you to go over to monicaswanson.com forward slash subscribe. You just leave your name and an email address. I typically send one email a week with the brand new podcast episode. Anything else I've written, if I found something great online, I try to share that. Usually I include something just lighthearted and fun, um, maybe some news if I've got it. So please become a subscriber because I do have something coming up very soon that will go out to subscribers first. Okay. And there might be, it might be timely. It might have something in it that you don't want to miss. So I won't give it all away, but be sure to become a subscriber. And then you'll also hear about it in next week's episode. 
Now, before I share this interview with Kristen Welch, I want to thank you again for the ratings and reviews over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. On Apple Podcasts, I am nearing 400 ratings and reviews. Let's get me there. Would you help? Would you pause and just go over and leave five stars or a short review? Here's an example of a short review I just received from Kambala Haliki. She gave me five stars, titled it Amazing, and said simply, I love her so much. Her podcast is amazing. <laughs> I'll take it. Thank you so much. That's really sweet, you guys. All of your reviews, I read every one of them. They mean so much to me. And um, if you spread the word using social media, taking a screenshot of this episode, sharing it with your friends, that's awesome. Calling a friend, telling them about this podcast, whatever you do, it all helps spread the word about the Boy Mom podcast so boy moms all over the world can find out that we're here, okay? Thank you, guys. Now, without further ado, I'm going to let you listen in as Kristen Welch and I talk about having a global perspective, sharing that with your family, and her new book, Made to Move Mountains. I hope you enjoy. Well, hello there, Kristen. Welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I have, um, I've been a big fan of yours, Kristen, for so long. And it is, you know, when I started the podcast, I have the, the little list of my dream guests. And I just have to say you're definitely one of them. So this is a big day for me. <laughs> well, thank you so much. What an honor. Yeah, it's so true. I've, I've been a fan of you. I think going back to probably starting off with your blog, which I have always said has the best name. It is called We Are That Family. And who wouldn't want to be the friend of somebody who writes a blog called We Are That Family? So loved your blog and then came across your book. I think the first book that I found was Raising Grateful Kids in a World of Entitlement. And uh, if my listeners here have been with me on the blog for long, they know that I've shared that many times. I probably even did a book giveaway. I don't know. Before I ever <laughs> met you, I was telling everyone about your work. And then you followed that one with Raising World Changers in a yes. Changing World. That's right. Another amazing one. And so I have to say that for the past couple of years, I've been sitting back kind of watching, wondering what you were doing, what was going to come next. And now we know because your most recent book, Made to Move Mountains, is alive and well in the world. And I'm so excited to talk about this topic as well as all the things it relates to. So just thank you for taking time. You're a busy woman. And I'd just love for you to tell everyone a little about your family, your work, let everyone know who you are. Well, thank you so much, Monica. What an introduction. I don't feel worthy of any of that, but um, thank you. I am a wife and mom. Um, I've been married 25 years uh, this past year to my best friend, and we have three children, um, a college gal who's 20, and a son in the middle who's about to be 18 and graduate from high school this year, and then we have a 13-year-old daughter. And... Um, yeah, we we mostly love each other. And <laughs> even in the great, quarantine. <laughs> even in the quarantine, I had to pause because we're on day 24 of being together 24-7. Um, yeah. And I had to, I keep going outside to get away from my family, but I love them. Um, and I'm very grateful for them. And um, we, uh, my husband and I started a nonprofit. Really, our kids were very involved 10 years ago in 2010 called Mercy House Global. And uh, we ran a subscription club called Fair Trade Friday through Mercy House Global. But we basically come alongside marginalized women around the world and provide dignified jobs for them. And uh, we do that through uh, creating and selling fair trade product through our subscription clubs and our retail stores here in Texas. And then um, we take all the, the money from all of those efforts and support three maternity centers that we um, also started in 2010 that rescue uh, young traffic girls between the ages of 12 and 16 who've gotten pregnant through um, abuse or trafficking. And um, that has definitely changed our life. It, it really changed um, everything, uh, especially parenting for us, um, just raising our kids with a global perspective and letting the world's normal interrupt our own normal. And, and so that's basically me in a nutshell. I, I love what you just said, letting the world's normal interrupt our normal. Oh my goodness. That's huge. That is like right there. We could just camp on that <laughs> so much. I want to ask and talk about along the lines of your work, 
I love that you and I are pretty much in the same season. My husband and I will celebrate our 24th anniversary very soon, and my oldest son is 20. So we're okay. kind of in the same season. And yeah. I followed you as you sent your daughter off to college, and you're getting ready to have a son graduate. And uh, so I think I just relate to so much of the season that you're in. And uh, you were blogging already when you first went to Africa. Is that right? Yes, I started blogging in about 2007, um, okay, which really? I realized makes me a very old blog. <laughs> I love blog years are like dog years, I think. Yes, totally. Exponential. Um, yeah, 2007. And I actually went to Kenya with Compassion International in 2010. So my blog okay. was about two and a half years old. Um, and at, before Mercy House, it was a, a typical mom blog. Um and then post Mercy House, it really, um, I think it, it's hopefully stayed a little bit the same, but it took more purpose for me personally um, and took on a tone of um, really global sure. family living and parenting, inspirational living. Yeah. Yeah. And you're one of the few people I follow who are still, you regu regularly blog, right? You're still writing articles. I do. I, yeah. I feel I like that. I'm a I'm bad bad. Don't stop. <laughs> Thank you. I, it's the blog world has changed so much because of social oh, yeah. media. I mean, way back then, I mean, Twitter wasn't even, I mean, yeah. I was like one of the first people on Twitter. So it's changed mm -hmm. so much. And, um, algorithms and all of those things yeah. continue to impact it. But I've always been a process writer, so I don't usually know how I feel about something until I write it. And so yep. it's just always been like an online journal for me. And um, I used to write a lot more. But then when I started writing books, um, a sure. lot of that content went to um, books. But I still try oh. to try to be faithful to the old blog. Right. Well, yeah, you're a busy woman and you have a podcast as well. Tell everyone and we'll link I to everything. Do. Yeah, it's um, called Made to Move Mountains, and it's maybe eight or nine months old. Um, and so I really, I, I don't really know if I'm a good podcaster. It's really just little uh, snippets of stories, and um, I don't interview people because I don't really understand the technology behind that, and I didn't want the pressure of yeah. figuring it out. I was trying to stay current, um, so right. a lot of it is book content or blog content, but right. um, about 50% of my readers are now podcast listeners, and so mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to just offer them that and keep up with it. Um, yes. So. No, I love I love your podcast. We'll, we're going to touch on a couple of my favorites here in a few minutes, but, um, but I will encourage listeners if they can take the time blog. I always say blog posts don't take that long to read everyone who says like, Oh, I don't have time to read. I just listen to podcasts. I'm like, no, there's important stuff out there still. So I'm going to encourage everyone to go over to your website and just dig around in the archives because your posts have been so moving and touching and, and yeah, you're, you're a great blog writer. I love the short and sweet articles myself. So I'm, I'm still a fan. <laughs> I okay, so between running Mercy House, Fair Trade Friday, writing books, I don't know how you have time to do anything, but um, I would love for you to tell us about this newest book, where it came from, and just a little bit of the journey of writing it, because I know there's a lot to that. Yeah, um, I it was interesting because I actually signed a contract for this book three years ago. It was a two book deal contract, which I had never done before. And I probably <laughs> won't do it again. Um, meaning that I did not know what the second book would be about when I turned in the first one. And so, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, you put yourself in a position there to really wait on God to reveal to you what you're supposed to say. Yeah. And, and when he did that, it was like a ton of bricks hit me. Um, and he dropped the title in my heart, just, you know, that we are made to move mountains. And when I settled on that as a title, it didn't have a subtitle, didn't ha really even have an outline. Um, but I gave that to my publisher. They liked it and they were like, okay, run with it. But I really thought um, that it was going to be a book about all the mountains we want to climb and um, like dreams, you know, and, and I think part of it is for so long, so many mothers have said to me, oh, I wish I could do what you were doing, but I can't, I'm just a mom or um, mm -hmm. I wish I could, 
you know, do X, Y, Z. And every time that has been said to me, I just on the inside, just cringe a little because I'm like, Hey, I'm a mom too. And I don't know what I'm doing half the time and I'm overwhelmed and I'm uncertain. Um, everyone is meant to do something for the kingdom. And it's not always going to look the same, obviously. I mean, there's not going to be someone else to start, you know, is going to start Mercy House. It's going to look exactly like what we've done, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have something for us to do. And so that was really the motivation for the book was just to encourage um, families, anyone who picked it up to find their mountain. And what does that look like for you as an individual, as a spouse, a mother, a person? Um, And then in the process of writing that book, our family um, started dealing with a mountain that we didn't want to climb just an overwhelming um, burden. And and I think it became very clear that life is full of both kinds of mountains, the ones we want to climb and the ones we don't. And I've kind of divided those up into dreams and disasters, Uh the dreams that are mountains we want to climb and then those that we don't. And very quickly into writing the book, I started facing mountains that I didn't want to climb uh, so much way. So, I mean, and that's life, right? I mean, yeah. you don't well, know what's Especially the when you go to write a book. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, you bleed what you write. Right. Which is why I've never written a marriage book, because <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think life just happened. And, mm. um, and I reached out to my publisher and said, I'm going to need an extension um, because I don't, I don't know how to even process the grief I feel right now. And, um, and I think as parents, you know, I mean, so much of who I am and how I feel is wrapped up in my kids. And when they're struggling, I struggle. And I think that's just the heart of a mom. Mm -hmm. And so I just didn't know how to scale the mountain in front of me. And so I took six months and just didn't really write much Mm -hmm. and lived a story that still has not, um, been finished and I'm still, um, trusting God uh, in the uncertainty of our story. And, um, so the book really became a more real, uh, journey of grief and processing that and pursuing things that God has birthed in our hearts that we don't know what the next right step is that we're going to take. And then also just understanding and believing that the mountains we're on, the ones we want to climb and the ones we don't are there for a reason. We're not alone and God will be glorified in the journey. And so that's really what the, the book became um, much different than I had planned. Um, But I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to share my story. Yeah. Well, I think it makes it so much more relatable because, you know, it's one thing to wrap it all up with a pretty bow on top, but to say, this is where we are and we're in it. But then also to say for anyone that's reading it to realize that in the middle of their mess, God's got mountains for them to climb too. I think that's what it does for me is just inspires me and makes me think, you know, there is no perfect time. There's never going to be that right day where everything clears out and suddenly it's your right. time to take on a new challenge. Sometimes it has to happen in the middle of everything else. And so I, I just found it really encouraging. So thank you. And I, you know, I'm still climbing the mountain. I don't want anyone sure. to, to think that I have all the answers. And I mean, part of the journey that I shared in the book was a diagnosis that one of my kids um, faced and they're immunocompromised. And so now we're living out this, you know, global pandemic that has made us, I mean, in some ways prisoners in our home. And, and I launched a book about moving mountains in the middle of a global pandemic. And so, I mean, we just don't know what's around the corner, but we can trust that God knows and he's sovereign and he uses everything. I truly believe that he uses the valley of the shadow of death, as much as he uses the mountaintop to refine us and redeem us and to glorify himself. It yeah. doesn't mean it's easy. I mean, I, I, and I write a lot about this in the book that 
I think I have have had this expectation that at some point it was going to get easier. Um, running a global nonprofit or, you know, rescuing trafficked girls, selling millions of dollars in fair trade product. I mean, it is going to, we're going to hit a season. It's just easy. And I mean, I I woke up to the truth of, you know, serving Jesus, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following him. It is not easy. That is not what we've been called to. And so I think I'm still a student in this um, classroom of life learning and God is still revealing so much to me. I love it. But that's what I think that's what we're supposed to be. I think that's what we're called to as disciples. Well, take us back then, because you're talking to people like me and maybe there's some who are already doing the work. But I know for me, I'm one of those that sits back and is like, I want to do something. I want to do more, you know, besides writing a check to an organization, besides praying, what more can I do? And then you start to get overwhelmed with the reality of your day to day life. And you're like, I don't know where to start. Tell us this all began with your trip to Kenya in 2010. Is that right? Yes. Okay, yes, so and take us in... kind of from there, if you would. I just want to hear kind of the the big steps that got you to where you are. And then what I'd love to do with that is hear what you would say now to somebody who maybe has little kids at home, who doesn't know where mm-hmm. to start. Take us there. Yeah, well, actually, that was 10 years ago. So um, yeah. my kids were uh, 10, um, 7, and, and 3. Wow. So they were... Yeah. Maybe the ages of some of those listening. Um, I had a toddler um, and and two uh, tweens or elementary and a tween. And, uh-huh. um, so, yeah, I was invited to take my blog to Nairobi, Kenya um, on a blogging trip with Compassion International. And at the time, I mean, literally, that was the biggest yes of my life. Um, mm. It was a long trip, close to three weeks. And wow. I just... I could not imagine leaving my family for that long, but I was craving purpose. Um, I just, I, I love being a mom and a wife and there is no, but there, um, I, I adore that journey. I needed purpose that went beyond that and I craved it and I was finding it in really shallow, meaningless ways. And so I was really just this, Christian who was lazy. And I did things for people, but they lived inside my house. I didn't do anything for anyone outside of my house. And um, so I was a good wife and a good mom, but I had no global perspective at all. And I thought the, I thought the world lived like I did. And if they didn't, too bad for them. You know, I just had no idea past my four walls. So this, that's who I was. And, and I go on this trip that literally shattered my normal. I mean, you know, two and a half weeks of day after day after day being exposed to extreme poverty that is hard to fathom. I mean, literally very difficult to describe. When I wrote about it on my blog, I called it, you know, going to hell. That's, that was how it felt. Just waking up in, um, in third world, uh, third world country or developing nation that lacked the basic necessities that I took for granted. And it was just mind boggling to me how, uh, ignorant I had been. And so on that trip, I was, I began to process who I was as a woman and a mother and a believer. And I was so disappointed in myself and just that I believed all the Bible studies and the Beth Moore teachings and the Christian songs, but I was having a hard time reconciling who I believed God was to people that were living in abject poverty. And so I, I just really had this, this moment that I still go back to, I mean, 10 years later. And when I speak to women's groups or share that moment, I mean, I still get emotional because it was, it was my soul was waking up and and I was learning and, and opening my eyes to the need around me. And it was really this, it boiled down to this question I asked God. I was standing in a slum and I mean, if a slum is defined by, you know, very densely populated area without running water, 
without electricity usually, and there's open sewage. And um, some people are born and raised and go to school in a slum and never leave it. And, and so it's this whole little world inside of a world, and it's just extremely crowded, people everywhere. And I was in the world's largest slum um, with you know more than a million people in a one mile radius. And we had armed body guys with us and um, I was so mad at God. Like it was just overwhelming. The entire day we had been visiting people and exposing ourselves to a slum life. And I was mad at God. And that really shocked me, that emotion of just anger. And I asked God standing in the middle of the slum that day, how he could allow so much human suffering. And the minute I asked that question, he asked the same question of me. Now that you've seen it, now that you've smelled it, you've experienced it, what are you going to do about it? How can you wow. allow, how can you allow it? And how do you ever we, go back to normal life after yeah, that? <laughs> you don't, you don't wow. for sure. I mean, I, I, that night, uh, well, later that day, we went to the home of a boy who, um, what, what was unique about his home, it was called an orphan led home, which meant that he didn't have parents and he was the leader of the home. So it's this 14 year old boy who is the parent because his parents are dead and he is keeping his brother alive by being the sole provider. And so we visit his home and he wants to show us like, you know, his normal day and tell us about his day and his, his entire little house was the size of my master closet and there's no bed, no electricity. He gets out one candle, lights it, shows us how he does homework at night. I mean, he's describing his life and I'm, I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack for this kid. I'm just like, sure. This is pathetic. I mean, I just kept thinking this is the saddest thing I've ever seen. And the entire time he's explaining his life and talking to us, he's smiling and he has this huge grin on his face. And I'm like, how in the world can you have, I mean, I just couldn't reconcile his joy with his situation. And so after he had explained, like, this is my daily routine, he was like, does anyone have any questions? The ignorant white woman in the corner raises her hand. That would be me. And I'm like, Vincent, I have to know how you can be so happy. You have nothing. And yet you're happy. And he looked at me with pity in his eyes and you could just tell he felt sorry for me. And he was like, ma'am, I have Jesus Mm. and he's enough. And my entire world imploded right there standing in his home because I had Jesus too. My whole life I'd had Jesus. I had a lot of Jesus Mm -hmm. and yet he wasn't enough for me. I didn't have the joy or purpose. I was a bored, lazy Christian and I wanted to be a different person and I left his house and went back to the hotel we were in and sobbed in the shower for about an hour and asked God to redeem me and to give me an opportunity to be the person that he wanted me to be. And four months after that trip, we started Mercy House. Oh my goodness. Okay, listeners, anybody squirming in your seat right now? Just the conviction I feel listening to your story. I mean, I think that we all wonder what we would do if we got to face that situation and how maybe we all know that our worlds would be rocked. So thank you for walking us through that. That just like rattles me. So you started Mercy House four months later, and you've probably been back then to Kenya many times since. Many times since, yes. Um, okay. We actually have an indigenous staff there, so we Good. empower local Kenyans. Um, awesome. And on in the process of all of that, which if I, if I had to do it over again, um, I don't know if I could. Um, I think that's what's so powerful about saying yes to Jesus, is he just gives you the small yes in front of you. <laughs> Exactly. He doesn't show you 10 years down the road. He right. doesn't, thank goodness, because yes, I probably would have run the other way and said, I'm not, I'm not capable. Yeah. I'm not adequate. I cannot do this. And so um, we just started asking him, what's next? What, what do we do? How do we respond to this? And sure. um, 
and God just slowly revealed to us what, what we were to do. And in the process of that, we got to take our kids with us to Kenya. My husband had a corporate America job at the time. And so we, um, had a good income and we used that to travel a lot to Kenya and, um, and really established a foundation, a charitable foundation in Kenya under Kenyan leadership and, uh, came home to fund that. And that's what we've been doing for 10 years. And it's, you know, taken a lot of crazy twists and turns and grown in ways we didn't think it would and not grown. Is your husband now, is he still working outside of Mercy House or is he? He's not. Six years ago, he uh, quit his corporate America job and we took another big jump, um, which was pretty scary at the time. Um, And he became our CEO. And so he currently still has that job and he leads the organization and I work as the founder and storyteller and oversee a lot of the creative side of what we do. Wow. Okay. I love that. Now you're talking to a bunch of boy moms here and some have teenagers, maybe some grown kids, but also a lot of people have young kids. I would love for you to tell us how this looked for your family when you began to move from being stay at home mom blogger to like, we're going to do something big in Kenya. How did, how did the kids react or how did you, how did your family change through this? Oh yeah, that is a big question. Um, it just changed in every way. You know, I think it's important for people to know who are listening that it is hard to redirect a ship and it takes time and it is painful. And we realized very early on within the first year of starting Mercy House that we had an entitlement problem in our home. What was worse is we, my husband and I had entitled our kids. So really it was our problem. Um, more than our kids. Mm -hmm. And so when you try to change the direction of your home, there is going to be backlash and, um, you know, everything that you can imagine. Uh, I think what's really been powerful now that I am a decade down the road is God rewrote my kid's story while he was rewriting ours, which is really powerful that he just loves us so much that he didn't just change a woman, he changed a family. And knowing that my kids now, my oldest is an art major and she wants to get her master's in art therapy and work with traumatized um, people through art. And my son wants to be a doctor. And I think both of these careers that they are choosing because God changed our family story and just made service and serving others the core of who we were instead of serving ourselves. And so um, there were many times in this journey that I was just racked with guilt and worried about what I was exposing my kids to. And I mean, when my youngest, who was three when we started Mercy House, was like four or five, I walked by her bedroom door and she had all of her baby dolls lined up and she was playing maternity home and that none of them had daddies and like she, her whole, like the yeah. way she was. And I wow. just stood outside her door and I'm like, Oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> all my sure. kids have been in counseling. Um, yeah. but I think that it's just a loving God who says, I'm going to change everyone's story. Yes, and sorry, I'm jumping in here, but this might be a good time. I really wanted you to share about your son when he joined you on your podcast. It was one of your first episodes, and I caught it. We'll be sure to link to it in the show notes, but I loved what he had to say. So if you could just share a little bit about that, I think that sheds light on how this experience has affected him. Yeah, I was actually, um, I asked him to be on my podcast, and which was, I think it was the third or fourth um, episode that I did, and we just had a conversation, and um, we, we were talking about moving mountains cause that's the name of the podcast. And, right. and he was, you know, kind of said something very profound to me that ended up going in my book and it's really helped, um, helped me, um, just in general. But he said, um, you know, everyone has mountains in their life and everyone listening to that, you know, we all have obstacles and challenges. We have dreams and we have disasters, every single one of us. And he said, but mom, if we can step back from our problem and get a perspective of the world's problems and the mountains that, you know, global masses face, it 
shines a different light on our own mountain. Because a lot of like our first world problems are things that people in the third world would be very grateful for. Like self-quarantining in a global pandemic is a privilege. Having the opportunity to work from home and um, have our food delivered or pick it up curbside. I mean, these are all inconveniences for us in the first world, but they are totally, it's a privileged life that we lead. And when he said that, I thought it was so profound that the world's problems, and this is, this is the truth that happened in my home. Mm -hmm. When we opened our windows and threw open our doors and said, this is how the world lives as ugly and as harsh as it may seem to do that to your kids, right? To say, this is, this is the definition of these words. You know, this is how the world lives. It gave us perspective. And I think perspective is an incredible tool in parenting that it's so hard to give our kids perspective because we tend to raise them in a bubble and we send them to the perfect schools or the right schools. We, you know, dress them a certain way. We would pick their friends if we could, you know, I mean, that's just culturally, you may not do that exactly if you're listening, but culturally we try to protect our kids and raise them in a bubble in the safe neighborhoods and in, um, you know, to give them as much advantage as possible. And when we do that, the tendency is to entitle them. And it's so easy for kids to pick on, pick up on what they think they deserve, just like it is us. You know, we, we feel like we're owed an easy life or things, you know, that, um, that come naturally to us. And so when he said that, I just thought it was profound that my kids were raised. It was very imperfect and oftentimes extremely messy. Um, And I think that's to be expected with all families, but they were raised in the shadow of the world's problems, not just their own. And it changed us. Yeah. And I love that he can look back and say that now. And that just shows you that that's so much more important than anything he didn't get or any time that he was uncomfortable he took away such a lesson that we all could learn from. So I just love that so much. So um, let's see, I wanna make this as practical as I can. Uh, For those that can't fly to Kenya, for those that can't um, start their (laughs) their own Mercy House, what do you have some suggestions for people whose hearts might just be churning? Like, I want I want to raise kids who are more aware of global issues. I want to like, are there just baby steps that you would suggest we can take now for those who want to? Definitely, without a doubt. And honestly, I mean, I think it's important to another huge part of our story is I don't believe everyone should hop on a plane and go overseas. And I've asked God multiple times why that was part of my journey. And when my own city, I live outside of Houston, it's one of the world's largest, most diverse cities, an enormous refugee population. And I've asked him, why didn't I start here? Like, thankfully, I get to work with refugees now, but 10 years ago, and, and you know, God just revealed to me that my husband was really ahead of me spiritually. And he never went to Kenya um, I mean, he's helped me start maternity homes and a nonprofit without ever having gone to Kenya. Wow. He didn't go until it was after, until it was established. And I've had mm-hmm. women ask me like, how in the world did you get your husband <laughs> yeah. on the same page with you? Like, that's crazy. Right. And I mean, God just showed me clearly that he was getting me on the same page with my husband. Sure. And that's why he had to take me and get me out of my comfort zone and burst open my bubble because I needed to experience in every sense and imaginable way the poverty and the, the world's normal. And so when I came home, I actually was getting on the same page with my husband. And so um, you don't have to go overseas. You don't have to leave your town. I mean, that's not, that's not the message here. The message is do the next right thing in front of you. What is that? I mean, it, it, it is not about you, right? I mean, because it's easy. We don't have to take classes or lessons on how to take care of ourselves. Usually we're pretty good at meeting our own needs. Um, because you know, we're self absorbed people just, we have a sin nature, right? Nature. I was just going to say, right. And so how can we 
do what God wants us to do. It, it, it all begins with looking up from what's consuming us, which generally is either ourselves or our immediate family and look out and how can we meet a need? What do we have right now that can meet someone else's need? And I mean, God really revealed this to me this past year um, by having a foreign exchange student in our house because my daughter was at college and we had an extra bedroom and one of our artisan partners from Ukraine had a daughter who needed a place to stay for a year. We had an extra room in our house. We had an extra seat in our vehicle and inviting this kid into our home for a year was so, it was just amazing because my kids, I mean, we, we actually fixed borscht yesterday for dinner <laughs> out of beets because we missed Ukrainian food. I mean, yeah. it just, it gave us a, a different perspective and there are things we can do, you know, seats in our cars, chairs at our dining room table, who can we invite in that have, we have what they need? Yeah. And, and I, my favorite Bible story is um, the little boy with loaves and fishes. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I think there's so much truth and we can learn so much. And I think it's something as mothers, we can teach our, our sons. I, my son is a senior in high school and he's graduating soon. And we've had so many discussions this past year about his life and his future and what he feels like God is calling him to. And we've just wrestled with him as he's tried to figure out what God wants him to do. And I keep telling him the same thing. What has God placed in your hands? Mm. What, what skill and what, what are you good at and what do you love doing? You know, yeah. Yeah. That, what has he placed in your hands? Because you look at the, the little boy, who had the loaves and fishes, he gave what was given to him. He, he, yes. he offered what the gift that. that was in his hands. And so my son is my most extroverted kid, although he's a total introvert, but he's my most social. <laughs> and, uh, of the introverts. And, yeah. And, you know, he, every once in a while, he'll say something very extroverted, like, oh, maybe I should. And I'm like, wait, wait, let's talk about who you are. Um, he loves, loves people, loves people. He's just so passionate about people. And he, um, he likes to connect with people and he wants people to be whole. Like that's his, just the core of who he is. And so talking about how God made him and what, what is God giving you? What does he place in your hands? That's what God wants back. He doesn't want what we don't have. And so I had the skill of writing and mostly I had an audience who would read what I wrote. I wasn't actually that great of a writer and I don't, I don't think I'm the best writer out there, but I had an audience and I had a blog and I like to write to moms. And so that's what he gave me. That is what he put in my hand. And so that's what I gave back to him. And that's how we started Mercy House. I mean, just with that platform and I used the money I made on my blog to start a nonprofit, which is crazy. Um, but God takes what we have. It's inadequate. It's not enough. And he blesses it and multiplies it. And when that happens, he's glorified and we're not. And so it's just this amazing opportunity to lead our families in that truth. I love it. And sometimes you can find things in your backyard, in your own community. And if God's put a burden on your heart, like he did yours to go and travel Sometimes that's his calling. I think the key is to be willing to say yes, whatever he lays on your heart. Yes. Wow. That is just so encouraging. So much, um, so much to just ponder. And I think for all of us, I tend to be always in a hurry. And sometimes when something's hard, something is, uh, you know, challenges me, convicts me. It's easy to say a quick prayer and move on. But I think this is one of those things that is worthy of some time to sit and and pray and be still and quiet and ask God because he's probably calling each of us to something beyond what we're doing today. And I know that's true of me. And I look at my kids and I think though God is sovereign and they get to make their own choices, I I do have a great responsibility to shape and mold them and, and to expose them to things in this world that then God can call them to deeper. So I just think this is really important for moms to consider what what we're all about, what the family's life revolves around, where our finances go, our prayers go. And, 
Yeah, I think it's just in a world that makes it really easy, at least living in America, makes it really easy to be self-absorbed and to be entitled. So all of your books have pointed to that message, and I'm just super grateful that you've taken the time to write them. So thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, well, I would love to close this off with just a couple traditions I have here on the Boy Mom podcast. And uh, your life has looked a little different from ours, but you've raised two girls and a boy, and you're still raising them. So if you don't mind, can you help close us off by sharing a one boy mom essential, something that you can't imagine raising that son without? Yes, I would probably say a Nerf gun. (laughs) (laughs) I just Uh, removed one from my bedroom this morning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, It's it's been funny. um, And I know every family dynamic is different, but... Um, I kind of had a understanding of my brother. I have a sister and there was only one boy in our house, um, growing up and, and having a son with two sisters. Um, I remember when he did his very first play date with friends of ours and it was four boys at their house and he came home from that play date and he was maybe six years old or something. And he was like, mom, they burped and farted the whole time. (laughs) And he just thought it was so awesome and I was like so <laughs> grossed out and I was like oh my gosh we don't do that here and I realized I mean, boys just need to yeah. let mm-hmm. out yeah. that energy Everything. and so you know um we started buying Nerf guns and still to this day I mean we yeah. we tend to have wars um with them and uh yeah just a way for them to express themselves and, and be a boy right right I love it let it all yeah, out that is super good okay so that that the second question might have just been answered, but is there a time that your son uh, did something, said something that made you just recognize that you are indeed a boy mom? And that that was a good one right there. Well, I um, my son has the gift of sarcasm and um, it is highly esteemed in my house. I mean, there is not <laughs> another thing that I would I would not trade that gift for all the money in the world because. <laughs> It also keeps him out of so much trouble because he knows if he can make me laugh, oh, then yeah. he's probably not in trouble. I've so got, he has this dry, <laughs> dry humor that is just his his comedic timing too. Um, mm. So because we're you know at home right now, like the rest of the world, our mm. neighborhood did a um, teddy bear scavenger hunt where you're supposed to put a teddy bear in your window. Um, and then all the little kids like walked around and counted them or whatever. Aww, and so cute. it was really cute. And, um, I'm in a little Texas suburb here and my kids were like, my son was like, we're not putting a teddy bear in the window. I mean, like, you know, he's almost 18. So he put Dobby from Harry Potter. Uh-huh. Who, I mean, it's like a, a creepy, creepy uh-huh. doll right. that I brought him home from something. <laughs> And so that creepy doll has been in our window for two weeks, just, and I mean, my daughters would have never done that. Never, no. Um, And when it's not in the window, he hides it all around the house in people's beds, right? And, you know, it's been in the cupboard. It's been everywhere, the shower. I love it. I I have to say, I think this quarantine is bringing some fun things out in families and creativity and craziness, but... There's, there's some silver linings. Well, I love that. Okay. And then final thing is if you could look back on a younger Kristen who was just starting off having kids, maybe when your son was just a baby, is there any piece of wisdom you've gained over the years that you would say to yourself? Yeah, I, I would say I, I wish I had known this. And so if you're holding a baby boy right now and you're um, just uncertain or unsure and who isn't right now as a parent um and and just being a woman I I don't think I understood until I had a son how boys think and men think and I think I would have I would have wanted to know that there is grace and forgiveness and um that my son is going to be tempted in every way that a young man is tempted. And it's hard. It was hard for me to understand that because I don't think the way Mm -hmm. a male does, but just really immersing myself in good books um, Mm -hmm. that help me understand 
so that I am not shaming my son or putting expectations on him that are not realistic. Um, because I sin also, and I am trying really hard to live a holy life, but I, I mess up. And I feel like our sons in this day and age are so inundated with media and accessibility to porn. And, uh, I mean, it is just everywhere. And I think that we need to be talking about it in our homes and we need to let our sons know that first of all, they're totally normal. Mm-hmm. And second of all, there's grace for when we mess up. And third, um, I'm going to love you no matter what. And I think if I had known that going into having a son, um, it would have helped me. And, and thankfully I know it now and we're able to have really amazing, honest conversations. Mm, I love that. I love your son just from the little I listen to him. I can tell he would be a good friend of my boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good advice. That's really sweet wisdom that we all, whatever age our kids are, I think can keep in mind. A lot of grace, a lot of understanding for the things that we don't understand necessarily, right? So, yes, yes. Well, thank you. I will be linking to all of the different places people can find you in our show notes, but would you just kind of share if someone wants to track you down right now and find you on social media and all that, the different places they can find you. Yeah. My blog is still a great starting place. We are that family.com from there. You can, there's links to mercy house global fair trade Friday, our subscription club, my podcast and all my books. Perfect. And you're on Instagram. Yes, we are that family. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I feel like we just scratched the surface, but I'm going to just encourage all the listeners to go follow you and read your writing in the books and on the blog and check out your podcast as well. So we'll link to all of that. And I can't thank you enough for taking time to join us today. Thank you so much, Monica. I really enjoyed it. You bet. God bless. Take care. You too. Okay, friends, thank you so much for being a part of today's episode. I hope this does stir up some great conversations between you and your family. And um, just appreciate you being with us today. Please do send me those uh, questions or anything you would be interested in me covering for a Q&A episode, hopefully next week. Things don't always go as planned, but I think it'll be next week. And I'll look forward to covering some of your questions. Thanks for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha.